Support for The Okie Show Show is provided by the Oklahoma Film and Music Office. As the entertainment industry continues to flourish both globally and here in Oklahoma, the need for the continued development and expansion of our local film industry workforce and companies is critical. Join the action and start your new career in the Oklahoma film industry. Find out more at okfilmmusic.org forward slash getting started. Hello and welcome to the podcast that explores the Heartlands Entertainment Industries. I'm Brian, your host, and I have a co-host on this episode, but he is elsewhere. He zooms into the episode as soon as uh, our conversation with today's guest begins. Uh, that's right, Mr. Nicholas Zabo. <laughs> he is he's missed on this intro. I miss him. Where are you, Nick? Come be with me. Anywho, yeah, I get to handle this intro all by myself, which, uh, you know what? I don't think anybody wants, but here we are. And we just get to muscle our way through it. So today we're talking about uh, a brand new position that has been created in the wake of this crazy COVID-19 situation that we are still living with. Just when you think it's gone, it's back. And then it's probably going to be gone again, and then it's going to come back. Until a freaking cure is created, or whatever. I don't know. Guys, I don't even know what information to, to, to listen to at this point. I'm so confused. But you know what? Apparently, everyone is. Everyone that I've talked to is just uber confused, and we're just trying to... We just want to go to work safely? Or... Or not. I don't know. But... Anywho, the main point is that we have a whole new position uh, on the set that handles COVID-19, and it's called the COVID coordinator. It's actually pretty cool because um, it's kind of an extension of the set medic. Now, normally on a set, we have a, a person walking around with a bag full of goodies just in case something goes horribly awry. And, uh, you know, normally on a set, you do not want to have to see them. Well... It's COVID-19 time, which means that you <laughs> have to start out your day meeting with the COVID coordinator. You get to say hello. They scan you like you're a piece of uh, paraphernalia at a Target. And uh, and then you can actually start your day. It's it's kind of cool, honestly. And just the fact that um, we have uh, Emily O'Banion, today's guest, uh come on the show and just kind of talk about all the different procedures and the history of, of, you know, how we got here now, you know, not, not the disease part, but like the actual handling the, the disease part. It's pretty cool. Emily is actually the nation's first COVID coordinator. And I think, I don't know if we actually say it on the interview or not, but she may actually be the world's first COVID co coordinator. And what's crazy is that she's from right here in Oklahoma. What? Freaking groundbreaking, you say? I dare say you are correct, sir and madam. Emily has a really cool story. She's um she's former military. She used to be a medic flying around in heligo flopters and, and uh you know saving lives, and now she's on movie sets just freaking kicking butt, kicking COVID's butt and everything else's butt. It's pretty awesome. She was I we got to work together on a little movie called Harvest of the Heart. And Harvest of the Heart was the first movie to be shot in in the nation that was like SAG approved and all that kind of stuff. Uh, 
post-COVID. In fact, there's even a, an article in Variety Magazine where they featured our set, and it was, it was kind of cool. But it was crazy, man. We had folks from SAG showing up and checking in on us. We had folks from IATSE calling in and making sure we were okay and everything. Like, it's a really high priority for everybody to go back to work safely and smoothly. You know, we just, we just want to be able to go to work, make our paychecks, go home, and, you know, be able to be with our families and stuff. It's pretty neat. So I say that this intro in which I'm flying solo has already gone far too long. Let's get straight to the conversation with Miss Emily O'Banion. So we're here with Emily O'Banion. Welcome to the Oki Show Show, coming in via Zoom. How's it going? It's good. Um, just uh, caught me here. Uh, got, a, got a little later crew call this afternoon for our uh, last day. We'll wrap our, our show up um, tonight, the first show that um, was uh, greenlit by SAG, filmed in Oklahoma. Yeah, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. Look at us just breaking, like setting the new norm. <laughs> you guys, you guys get to be the first in the, like the not like the Guinness book, but like just some kind of like yeah, oh, it's the okay book. Just like it, it, yeah, it's the first with COVID. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's nice. And you're a plaque is a plaque. <laughs> and you're technically the first COVID coordinator uh, in the nation. Could we say yeah. on the planet? Um. I don't know. I believe so on the planet. Um, and <laughs> it's so it kind of came, came unexpectedly. Like I didn't know that that uh, that that was the case. Uh, kind of started. Went into. I'm a obviously a set medic. Uh, was a paramedic in Oklahoma and um, in in uh, Canada for years. Um, did a little. EMS, a lot of flight medicine, um, and kind of came into set back in 2016, and uh, have been on the scene in Oklahoma here, um, really enjoying it, um, and uh, you know, learn learn something new every every gig. But uh, the show came to me. Um, I have been on a show, a little show um, that uh, we went dark on, uh, and back in March when COVID came on the scene. Um, we were only four or five days away from finishing wrapping that up. I was wearing a set medic on it. COVID shows up, we go dark. Um, and of course, uh, you know, everyone went dark. We, the planet did go dark as far as film. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yep. Very true. The whole planet. Um, and, uh, so of course just being in medicine, I was really keeping, you know, my, my eyes, on trying to discern some science. Um, I mean, it was just a rapidly changing cluster fuck. <laughs> cluster cuss. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that it was. And, um, you know, and always kind of in the back of my mind, watching both to protect my family and myself, but also thinking, how in the hell are we ever going to like step back into the world and possibly, um, uh, put a screen back up. And, um, so, um, just, yeah. So started working. Everything was kind of crazy. Uh, a film, uh, actually let me, let me back up. There was a post made on a Oklahoma Facebook page. I don't even know who runs it. 
Um, it was by Oklahoma Movie Makers. So hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't know who that is. Um, but it said that there was this crew call for a film. And this was like in April. Crew call for film looking to shoot in June in Oklahoma. And I was the first commenter on the post. And I said, we're not filming shit in Oklahoma in June. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, throw back your head and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so actually it kind of uh, I was I was approached uh, by uh, the director, Danny Roth. Um, and he said, you know, that that they were going to do it right, that they were going to get, you know, SAG was going to just, they had cast SAG actors and actors and that they were going to start there and I said oh yeah y'all that's never going to work SAG is never going to agree to any of this um, and he said well we need we need protocols and guidelines that um, that SAG can get on board with and support and I said well these are these are going to look ridiculous and um, it's going to be very you know um, cost ineffective this is going to increase uh, both your budget and the length of time and reduce the number of people that can be on. So anyway, we just started tossing around mad ideas and, um, and you know, we pulled, we pulled in from, I pulled in from, um, from several different areas. So first of all, seeing as though the issue that we were encountering was a virus, um, I decided to start just with the leading uh, officials and scientists that are were following and tracking the virus. So, um, you know, CDC does did have some really good material. They were trying to keep up to date on it. The World Health Organization actually had some some faster speeder material, some more high speed material than even uh, CDC did. And just watching uh, really what uh, what other countries were doing. Um, so we so we started looking at that. I started gathering everything that I could. Um, no one really put anything out in uh, our industry wise until Lionsgate. Uh, there was the big Lionsgate leak of uh, some protocols that they were looking at putting into place. And I want to say that was right around I don't know maybe April twenty fifth or May first, somewhere around there. Um, it may have been a, a little bit earlier than that. So these, this Lionsgate protocol guideline uh, studio um, or their studio guidelines of protocol leak um, was was kind of put out, and everybody took a big gasp at um, you know you know everything. It broke down literally the entire industry. It reduced a crew to no more than forty people on tier three projects. Um, Oh it, uh, you know, inserted COVID testing and inserted this COVID coordinator and inserted all these checks and balances on set and disinfectants and, um, you know, and it, it just, it looks so foreign looking at what actual life was going to look like, um, you know, in prep uh, and then in production and then in wrap and... Um, and then here came Danny Roth, this uh, rogue uh, dude who somehow gets hold of Oklahoma movie makers, so I still don't know who they are, 
and post this weird crew call for we're going to make a movie in Oklahoma in June. Mm. And no, the hell you're not. <laughs> so anyway, Danny, Danny Roth reaches out and he's just like, no, we're going to do it. Like, we need to know. I, we need a COVID coordinator and we need you to walk us through. And I said, well, this is going to, like I said, all the exact same things. It's a lot of money and it's going to be a huge headache. And I don't know that you'll ever get SAG on board with doing something like this. And he said, well, I mean, can we try? Yeah, sure. Will you be our COVID coordinator? Uh, sure. Yeah. I, it's not going to work, but yeah, we will do it. And, um, I, wonder, I wonder how many of history's great milestones have come from like, yeah, sure, probably won't work, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> let's, uh, yeah, it sounds, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, what, some kind of bulb of light? Sure, whatever. Cool. <laughs> okay, we'll try it. Yeah. So, so we just start, uh, you know, we just start pilfering kind of uh, just different resources, research, uh, uh, different uh, documents and all kinds of industries were putting out, you know, so manufacturing was going back to work. So, okay, what are these assholes doing over here <laughs> you know, on production lines and stuff? And um, we just started compiling and things that sounded like they would keep us safe and could be applicable. We added, I added to the list and um, we started narrowing it down and Danny said, well, let's bring SAG to the table. And um, I, he said, you know, this is going to be our greatest obstacle is, you know, we can we can um, we can get, e you know, everything in place that we feel is safe and that we feel like is going to work. But until we get them on board, it doesn't matter what our ideas are. So let's bring them on board. And um, so they contacted they contacted SAG um, uh, to begin negotiations for a contract. And SAG came to the table. Um, they were—I don't want to say evasive. They were elusive in um, in any guidelines. So, to be honest, I don't believe SAG had any guidelines in place. Um, they didn't have any ideas. We had definitely—we had definitely—we um, had outpaced SAG in in uh, in thought and production of some guidelines and policies and procedures that would take place on set. So it was, it was quite frustrating at first because we'd have conversations, we'd have emails back and forth and they would ask open-ended questions instead of, instead of producing, uh, you know, a, a rule or a, a set a, a policy or a set way things were going to be done. Mm -hmm. It was asked, you know, how are we going to do it? Well, then it was tasked to me to come back and, you know, figure this out and put it together in a way that that's going to get approved by SAG. So I could tell as we were going along that we were actually helping SAG write their guidelines. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So SAG's just like, what would we do? Just like yeah, writing down yeah. on a notepad or yeah, something. Yeah. You guys are like a, a, a group in a science, like doing a science class project. Yes. Yes. <laughs> SAG and was that one guy. That, no, that is one of the guy. I mean, yeah. that is what I would do of just like, so we obviously need to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, so what do you think about, uh, uh, testing, but yeah, testing. What, what, what yeah. that's what I was yeah, going to say. Yeah. Testing, you nailed testing. it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Tip of my tongue. So the, so the conversations and the correspondence back and forth, um, 
I just, it, it just seemed to me, it seemed frustrated. I'm sure maybe other, other uh, departments have had this same type of frustration, not in a COVID scenario. This was the, really the first time that I had had direct um, negotiations and communications with SAG, like one-on-one. -on -one. Mm -hmm. And so perhaps some of the confusion or the just, I don't know, uh, meandering about ways that they came to uh, asking what seemed to be a simple question. Um, so perhaps others haven't have encountered that. For me, it was like you know one of the well the first time I've ever had like direct negotiations and and communications with them. Mm -hmm. um, but so we started we started writing what became our uh, our COVID guidelines and policies and procedures, and um, and we were able to satisfy seemingly everything. And um, so when we got it, it came down to, um, you know, and as, as the project, as Danny started setting uh, start dates, we only moved the start date. We only pushed one time. And, um, you know, and so, you know, it was established. We will at the beginning. It was very early on we established. It's not negotiable. Every, every person, every crew member, every cast member, uh, every extra uh, every location owner that could possibly be there, everyone is getting COVID tested. And we're going to have recent uh, 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 negative COVID tests on everyone. And so then that actually became one of my greatest hurdles because the state of Oklahoma was not cooperative in any way. There is a, it's a very patchwork system of testing. It's a very patchwork system of uh, how to book an appointment to get tested. It's a, how long from the time that the test is given, how long to the results. Are the results given by phone? Are the results given by mail? Are the results given by email? Can well, I, yeah, because like on, the, on our crew, whenever we all had to do that, like getting the freaking results seemed to be the, like, Oh, is the they wouldn't give it to some of us. <laughs> greatest hurdle. And so this, you know, trying to, to put together some type of policy or some type of guideline for everyone to get tested, the state of Oklahoma just, it just would not cooperate with me whatsoever. And mm -hmm. by the state of Oklahoma, I mean the medical laboratories and our healthcare system here that it was just this piecework, patchwork mess. Right. Um, and and so you They're know just pulling tests from like drawers and stuff like here's like four i don't i don't know like yeah uh, so kind of like so the the there is a system called i think it's i do i need a covid test.com so that was the first um you know like uh system that i could find that was a sure thing you could log onto this site you didn't have to have insurance you didn't have to pay up front. It was an out-of-pocket cost. Everyone could go get one. There were multiple locations in the state. They would do the test. You could sign up online, and you could get the results back um, through, you know, in a portal that, that I could then log on, or you could log on, print off, and then I could verify that you'd actually have this test. Um, but the from the time of, of getting um, – your appointment, logging on online, filling out your information, getting your little identification number or account or whatever 
to getting your appointment to getting the test results back was like a 14 day stretch. And so others were finding and I'm, I'm glad, but it was like, you know, well, I found the Indian health service and Comanche does instant tests. Okay. Mm. Well, uh, let's do that. You know? Yeah. If you can get that, do that. Okay. Well then I found CVS is doing them and you get them back in two to four days. Well, I mean, yes, do that. Like if you can do that, do back. But there were so many different ways that I could verify like firsthand. Okay. At CVS, if you call and make an appointment, um, you know, there's no upfront cost. Or because it wasn't that production was unwilling to pay the cost of the COVID test. It was that, you know, with 10 different options, were they going to be $500 at this place? Was this place actually going to do it? And then there's some place in Norman that was advertising these 15 minute tests. Um, and come to find out these 15 minute tests were actually some kind of antibody test that was not FDA approved that the interpretation of the test so, yeah, you've got a positive IgG for the coronavirus, but it's still the interpretation for that is left up scientifically to you could have had it, you might have it, you don't have it. Like there's no right. there's no way that that could be interpreted. It's just so, all over the place. Yeah, because I remember like I went to go get my first COVID test for this project and they did the little throat swab. The results were taking too long to come in. So then I went for a second time. And, and got, got another throat finger. swab, and then they gave me the antibody, and we're just going to poke your finger test. And then that was taking too long. <sighs> and then I got the nasal swab. And let okay. me tell you, folks, that hurts like yeah. a mofo. Yeah. That is them sticking a stick up into your brain. Right. Absolutely. And so that was, I would say, the hardest piece of, I mean, not that SAG was just a blow off of, because I mean, they were, they did ask some very important questions. And so, and we had to lock in, we had to, to determine what was going to be the safest, most effective way to, to, to put different departmental guidelines and policies. But then we had to lock them in so that we could actually get SAG to sign off on them. And then once they were locked in, those were our marching orders. Right. And so I would say that, you know, that process, um, you know, was, was, was a little swifter. Um, and, you know, and I've got some feedback on what we did end up locking in, what I think could be um, changed. Um, but, you know, the, the big process for Oklahoma right now is that until we get some, uh, some centralized, uh, cohesive testing options, um, i.e. a rapid test, which is available, FDA approved, it's available in very spotty areas. The Oklahoma City gets 15 a day, um, you know, and that would, that's going to make things, yeah. That's <laughs> right, that, no, that, at that rate, yeah, yeah, it'll be great. We'll, so, we'll solve this by... Yeah, you know. the listeners couldn't see the very confused look on both Nick and uh, my face. <laughs> like, yeah. what? what? Who, who's, sitting, who's, who's sitting there just like counting out the tests? Like, Oklahoma City, population, 100... Fitting sounds right. Yes. Yeah. So, yes. So, um, so, I happened to be the one that got to figure out that we had 15 um, rapid tests because we had Wednesday off. So 
Tuesday night, I get home from set and I'm like, we've been outside. We were in a vineyard. So lots of allergies. Everybody had been on Allegra. We've been dealing with this. Um, and you know, which, which is a discernment issue in and of itself, overly cautious that out, you know, not to, not to wipe any kind of allergen or allergy, uh, symptom away as a possible COVID, but also realizing that we're in Oklahoma in the spring and we're in a vineyard outdoors. So this is, you know, the, so, which I feel like we had done really well. And, um, Brian can speak to that. Like we, you know, everyone was really on their allergy medication. There yeah. really hadn't been any symptoms. So we wrap on Tuesday night. I get home and I'm like, man, I like all of a sudden don't feel good. Like chapped mm. lip, snotty nose. Um, and it just really, I couldn't, no fever, but couldn't tell if it was allergies. So I'm calling my doctor, I'm calling everybody, and I'm thinking to myself, I've got to have a negative COVID test before I can go back on set on Thursday. So I immediately notify production, hey, this is what's up. I've gotten home. I feel like I have a cold, um, which obviously is nothing in good times, but it's bad times. And yeah. so um, I'm going to be humping ass tomorrow to get it to get a test. Um, you know, thankfully, we had a second um we did have a backup. We had a second medic that had been, um, that had been screened negative COVID test. Riley, she was on call. Um, so I had her, she was going to be able to work on, on Thursday. Did I not, or it had something else come up. So we did have a second medic that was, that was screened and, you know, kind of ready to backfill. But, um, so Wednesday, um, so I find out about these tests, access medical center, They've got um, rapid rapid COVID screening tests. Call, um, yeah, so you need to be here at 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, when you get here at 8 o'clock in the morning, this is the number that you call from the parking lot, and then someone will come out and, you know, screen you. Well, I get there at 8 o'clock in the morning, 7.55 about, and the parking lot looks like they are tailgating a OU-OSU game. I mean, hundreds of people. Oh, the wow. number is written in shoe polish on the window of the clinic. It is ringing busy. There's everyone is literally out on their cell phones in this parking lot. It's ringing busy. It's like the radio station is having a giveaway. And so, yes, they have 15 people are, people are popping kegs and barbecue yes. and, and, and just throwing the football and around just waiting yeah. for the phone to ring and not ring busy. That's how even unsophisticated this process was. So ring busy, ring busy, ring busy for a hundred people. And then the, the first person get in, boom, that's number one. They come out and swab you hundred people calling, 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 calling the second person to get it. So that's what I spent my Wednesday doing. Um, so yeah, I could just say that it's, uh, that, that's going to be a huge issue is right. in any way bringing on a crew because someone is going to get a sniffle or someone is going to get a fever along the process. We need rapid screenings that we can do on the spot in order to number one, prevent anyone ill from, from being back on set. And number two, prevent having to quarantine the entire crew and cast after having been on set with someone that develops a cold, i.e. Right. me on, on Wednesday. Oof. So 
I drove to, long story short, I drove to Enid. They had a rapid test after calling 100 people in the state. I was able to get a rapid test in Enid, um, which was negative, and I went back to work. Um, so, uh, testing. That's a, that's, a, that's a huge thing. Um, right. and, and that's just step one yeah. <laughs> step of one. this cavalcade right. of new stuff. Marlowe House is a professional hair and makeup services company based in Oklahoma City that specializes in special events and film production. So, if you've got like a wedding or a prom or a bat mitzvah, Marlowe House will make you look like a freaking princess. Even if you've got a cool themed party and you want to stand out in the crowd, one of Marlowe House's many stylists can give you a look that's unique, stylish, and make people go, Oh, dang! Marlowe House's client coordinator will assess client needs, then sign the best stylist for the job, complete with invoicing and follow-up feedback. Owner and makeup artist Tony Marlowe cares about giving every client in movie production the highest quality and professionalism that a hair and makeup department can offer. So, if you need a stylist for your event or a makeup artist for your film, hit up Marlowe House at their website, marlowehouse.com. That's M-A-R-L-O-H-A-U-S dot com. Grandson, I'd like to read you a book. A book? That's right. When I was your age, television was called books. And this is a very special book. A book my father used to read to me when I was sick, and I used to read it to your father. And today I'm going to read it to you. Now, chapter one. Altgate is a commercial insurance broker with film and entertainment expertise, headquartered in Oklahoma. Uh, Grandpa? At Altgate, they're experts in film and entertainment insurance. Like one time, we were shooting down in a valley, and a monsoon came out of nowhere. Within minutes, the whole set and all of our equipment was underwater. But guess what? You had production insurance? We had production insurance. Another time, we were shooting in a historic building, and a grip sent a C-stand sailing right through the priceless painting. Boom! Oh, jeez! Did you have- You bet your small coffee keister we had production insurance. Are you- are you reading that book? Aldgate Insurance has the same access to insurance as a broker from New York or L.A., but they're in Oklahoma, you see. That means you get the Oklahoma film rebate and local people available anytime you need them. But I have pink eyes. Check them out online at oklahoma-film.com or call them at 918-574-4555. They place annual policies for producers of all types, post-production E&O, and specific film project policies for budgets of all sizes. And they work with musicians, too, placing insurance for gigs and events of all types. Can they get annual policies for production companies as well as one-off insurance for a single production? Sure as shooting. No matter what's your budget, whether it's a five grand budget or a $15 million budget, Altget Insurance can help you. And they can also find you coverage for post-production errors and omissions. And you're gonna need it in order to get your film distributed. Grandpa? Yeah, kid? I kind of feel like we should call Aldgate at 918-574-4555 for our movie's production insurance. That's 918-574-4555. You're a smart kid, you know that. Oh, look at that. <laughs> and they all lived happily ever after. The end. Hey, hey, Grandpa? Yeah, kid? That, that was a weird book. Actually, it kind of felt more like a podcast mid-roll ad. But maybe two weeks from now you can read it to me again. As you wish. What is the set? Uh, it kind of described to the listeners 
what the set now looks like. Um, okay, so a, um, yeah, so set. you know, test, um, testing um, uh, is step one, um, and then you know, in prep, we did a lot of virtual prep. So wardrobe kind of does their own thing in their department. They they pick one person that um, is is kind of the the uh, uh, purchaser mm -hmm. that's going to go out into public um, and um, you know still still following all the safe guidelines. They have a purchaser. They use kind of a virtual office for costuming and wardrobe, i.e., somebody's house. Um, and then, and then they're doing a lot of their, a lot of their, um, their, whatever wardrobe does, um, their fittings, their, um, discussing this fabric and that style and this and that, um, virtually over Zoom. So, um, so our wardrobe department, uh, really never established at the PO. Um, I do know that there were a couple of fittings where, where, uh, they were, they met after hours when no one else was at the PO and they did a couple of fittings, but wardrobe did their own thing. Um, so, um, and then the same really for the art department, the art department, um, did their purchasing, uh, it's best to limit it, send one person, um, into public. Um, it limits the exposure for people that are shopping. Um, and of, of course they use safe guidelines and then, um, and then, you know, Ryan, you did sound, um, and yeah, we did a lot of sanitizing at the top of the day and we like, we started off, I started off cause I was a one man band department on this particular movie just because they were trying to keep the numbers pretty low and started off wearing gloves. After a while, I just hand sanitized before, like actually putting them on the actors and stuff. Because it turns out whenever you're wearing surgical gloves, it's, it's weirdly difficult to <laughs> work with things. To, to, to do things. Yeah. And great news, great and news I, for surgery. I, I would comment that with intact skin, so without cuts on your hands, intact skin is just as safe as gloves. So mm. as far as the coronavirus, the coronavirus is concerned. Um, yeah. So with vigorous hand washing and with hand sanitation, um, the, you know, they're, they're, there can be some some misconception that gloves would keep you safer. So, you know, there's a misconception. I'm glad you brought it up, Brian, about gloves is that, you know, we see medical professionals, they come out to do a procedure, they've got gloves on. Well, you know, that's whatever. Well, and and it, it is true. There is a level of protection in gloves. And that is if, you know, if they're applicable, if they're the right uh, protection for the job. So if, you're not touching blood or guts, you mm -hmm. may not need them. So, um, you know, gloves can be right if it's not like a, like a fine uh, textile type of, of, of scenario like you were doing where you felt clumsy and this and that. Um, but as long as you have intact skin, hand washing and hand sanitation is providing for coronavirus mm -hmm. um, ample protection from you and from that person. Um, so good. that's good. Thanks. Intact skin. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, intact skin. Yeah. Um, so back to, you kind of said, what is it, what does that look like? So in the morning you arrive, um, and you know, I was, I was central, um, to an arrival point. Um, and you know, ask a few questions. Are you sick? Uh, have you been around anybody that's sick? 
and uh, and then you know take a temperature, uh, make contact with everybody, um, and you know just um, just kind of eyeball. Uh, we had uh, and so everybody everybody checked in in the morning. Of mm-hmm. course, I had seen everyone's COVID results. Um, kind of, I was the central person that checked in uh, all the COVID results before day one. So everyone that was arriving, I already knew that we had their negative COVID results. A couple of times we added some players to the game. Uh, when we changed locations, we had two new location owners. Um, and so, you know, just verifying uh, your such and such, your such and such, and then, you know, having to go back and jog my memory, look up in my files, make sure we did have those COVID negative results, and then also check them in. So everybody gets checked in for the day. Masks masks were required and you know moving forward i think that there's kind of zones now that i kind of saw and um you know brian you may be able to give some feedback on this as well sure but a zone would be um you know kind of kind of the periphery of the set so um so you know i think definitely moving forward if we have a crafty i think crafty would definitely be someone that would be kind of in the in the out exterior zone so you're um so you know but then once you once you move closer to set especially in the morning especially setting up and moving g and e there were only three guys that were working with with grips and electric um we have put them in their kind of their pod system. You guys are touching your your equipment. Y'all are uh, are uh, you know drinking or drinking drinks out of the out of the same igloo. Y'all are y'all are touching. If so, if a y'all if are a disgusting. Of, <laughs> if, if, if someone in your grip and electric department gets COVID, there mm-hmm. is a greater possibility that all three of y'all are going to get COVID due mm-hmm. to the fact that you're working together. We yeah. recognize that. We saw that up front and moving forward. Um, you know, we had a couple of hundred degree days and, yes. and the mask requirement, not just for safety, but for moving equipment outside great distances, often the three of them just working in conjunction with each other, going to the truck, getting equipment off the truck, going to, you know, establishing it on set, setting it up, moving it around. The three of them work closely together, but the majority of the time they were six feet away from others. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that was a policy and a guideline that we locked in. We locked it in with SAG, so we continued it. However, moving forward, and we'll have these conversations with SAG. It, I believe that they can be zoned and zoned in, in a in a much less category, you know, much uh, 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 farther away removed category of mask wearing twenty four seven. Right. You're saying with yourself, Brian. Sound. So, yeah. So you 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 show up. You you have your you have your little uh, uh, hidey hole. You set up. <laughs> You get all your stuff kind of wiped down, whatever you do over there. Uh, we made a lot of jokes. We talked a lot of shit. Talked a lot of <laughs> and, um, the last time I worked with him, he usually actually had a bucket of blood and guts that he would just like, yeah, would stick like his was, hands yeah. in every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, time to start the day. <laughs> well, after COVID, he talks a lot about chickens. He talks a yeah. lot about yeah. Garden. Brian the farmer is much different than Brian the wild on set person. Right. He's a simple man. He I, enjoys yes. his chickens and his gardening. That's right. 
<laughs> and don't get in his yard, kids. But, yeah, yeah, I guess stay off my lawn. Yeah. Well, no, it will make the it will make the hens disrupt it, and they will not yeah, be lying. It's very know. true. They get very upset if somebody very, gets in their territory. They're very personable um, chickens. But I see. I saw. I saw. I saw Brian. Uh, uh, you know, by nature of sound, uh, isolate himself a great distance away from anyone in the morning setting mm -hmm. up. Um, normal. And, then, normal. and as normal, stay the hell away from everyone. Hide in the farthest pole. And, <laughs> yep. Um, yep. And, the, and, the, and there's no need. There's no need then. Once he's where he's at, then there's absolutely no need for him to have a mask on. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and then, and then, you know, when, when he's coming into set, when he's wiring everyone, obviously that's a given. There's going yep. to be, there's going to be both sides. Um, and so, you know, there's an, there was a need for a mask. Ben, he mentioned wearing gloves, figuring out that, you know, the dexterity of his fingers covered in rubber really aren't, weren't as great. As long as he's got intact skin, he doesn't have any open sores, then, you know, it's 100% fine. Wash your hands, put the shit on, wash your hands. Um, and, and then, you know, on set. Um, again, we were outdoors. We were outdoors the entire time. He's got a boom. He is far away from everyone. Um, the the need the need to mask in the zone of set is he's he he again is at a removed risk. So moving forward, we'll be looking at that. It's just not um, it's it's just not um, feasible to do that. Right. Um, well, and also, how do you feel about? <clears throat> The, the first thing that I feel like we encountered on those hot days, on those hot days, having a mask over your face while you're moving stuff around. Uh, Definitely. Very problematic. It, it was problematic. It was problematic. We had to have a lot of, um, a lot of uh, extra attention with cooling to try to, to try to reduce temperatures. It does. Uh, Blowing hot air, blowing your hot air off is the is one of the body's ways of, uh, you know, reducing your body temperature. So when you have something over it, um, it, it, it just doesn't. And it was, it was, it inhibited and made jobs worse. Mm -hmm. um, I saw the most um, for G&E sound and the art department. Um, and I'm not saying the prop, uh, the onset prop, we only had two two art two people in the art department, um, and as far as like the onset dresser, um, it's just it's it it was actually a safety hazard in the heat to have someone masked in that. So right. moving forward, that is something that I really you know I gave SAG immediate feedback on. Look, we locked in these policies and procedures. We got uh, we got this approved, and we and we followed it, um, but. Um, you know, moving forward, this is going to have to be something that is relooked at. My idea would be zones um, and, um, you know, zones, hair and makeup in confined areas, in air conditioning, um, you know, masked 100. When they come outside and they're in the set zone, there's no more 10 people in Video Village any longer. So when they're on set, they're in open air hair and makeup sitting there, they do not, no longer are, need to be masked. Um, so I would, I'm, gave some feedback about, about this look. Um, 
And, um, you know, luckily our script was set outdoors a lot. Um, so disinfecting and cleaning was, um, you know, really um, just uh, dressing, whatever the, whatever the art department had. And then our common areas, you know, we ate outside, we ate, um, we ate away from each other um, more than normal. Um, Again, and that's was, what Brian does. I was gonna. I it really fed my antisocial nature. Yeah. People think that I'm like super extroverted. I'm not. <laughs> I'm nah. actually. I like being alone. He's, he's just yeah. hiding behind his cart. Yeah, yeah. judging people. Judging people. <laughs> um, so you know, lunch was boxed, which was great. We had a small crew, and catering was respon was very responsive. Guy is great. His name is Brian Self. Um, oh God, he was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So good. I mean, literally put food out. Um, and although it was boxed, you got your choice. Um, so lunch was boxed. We got that. Um, we got that to the table. Got, got that to the table. Um, we ate effectively. It was good. I didn't have any issues. Um, and then, you know, just uh, general cleaning um, uh, after uh, meals, you know, I was kind of the one man show on that. Um, if it was any bigger production, you know, I'm pretty sure that, well, I know I would have a, a PA or someone to kind of give me a hand with, uh, all the cleaning, um, emphasized if it's your trash, throw your trash away. Um, you know, that's just like a Petri dish sitting there. Overall, it's also common courtesy. <laughs> you know, if yeah. there's any good thing that's come out of this, it's gotten people to just like, Keep just pick up after yourself, man. Just for the first time, they're like, ah, yes, yes. Yeah. I don't want other people touching it. Right. Oh. If I don't throw my own garbage away, someone could actually have serious repercussions. The garbage fairy doesn't get COVID, does it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, overall, um, I think I think it slowed us down. My guess would be about twenty percent. I don't know what mm -hmm. you think, Brian, but I think I'd agree I think with that. I think twenty percent is a good figure um, from globally of, uh, on on production. Yeah. Um, I think that the actual hell part was masks um, <laughs> and in the heat. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, not having crafty because we each had individual, uh, ice chests to reduce, you know, each department had or had their ice chest they were supposed to get in and not having crafty, you know, ours ran out all the time. So, yeah. um, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Any other, anything else, any other questions or what do you, what do you see the future of all this being like, you know, cause we're still figuring stuff out we're still adjusting you know like just in the course of this production we've we've you know learned some things and adjusted some things what do you see in like in the next five years are we going to stick to all this or do you so, so i see i don't know if anyone's been noticing or not but like our numbers not only state statewide but nationally and worldwide like um our numbers are creeping right back up yeah um and there have been some pretty some pretty significant spikes mm -hmm. um i don't see that there is going to be any safe way to film without without interruptions or going dark that could possibly 
um, tank production without a rapid testing. Right. Um, rapid testing is going to also um, increase our abilities on set to move freely and not in fear and not with um, prohibitive or uh, oppressive guidelines like the mask 24 yeah. seven and these kind of things. Um, that was a I thought that I had was like, I, I could see it'd be nice if we could take weekly on set COVID tests, if that was, well, if that and, and, even to the, and even to the point, you know, I would really push for any project much bigger than the one that we were on. Um, you know, they need to do dailies. Dailies are going right. to actually allow us to a, a daily rapid screening is actually going to allow us to, to film a movie. Yeah. Um, to, to be able to isolate, um, to not be able to not have the quarantine, to be able to interact and actually, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know if we just got lucky that we were able to get this into the can and knock on something tonight <laughs> to be in the can um, without. Without oh, someone it. sneezed on it. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> the last card. <laughs> we were so close. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, it was a small crew. I feel like we were pretty strict. I feel like possibly we just also dodged some bullets. We mm -hmm. did it outside. There were a lot of things that made this successful, but I feel there are so many different variables that a next show, even filmed the exact same way could run into one is what if I would have been positive without rapid screening, we would mm. have all had to quarantine because I had been there on Tuesday. I wasn't sick on Tuesday, but obviously I had been getting sick on Tuesday. So without rapid screenings ad nauseum, I don't see that would tank another show if I popped back positive. Um, right. And I think that that would be a fear to me if I had, you know, if I had a budget, if I had one shot at this, I don't think I would be looking to, I don't think I would be looking to produce my script in a time like this. If it was something that was near and dear to me, if it's content, mm -hmm. if you know, you've got to weigh the risk, um, if, if it's, if it's content, if, um, but you know, in any kind of personal project, I, I don't know that I would that I would film until we have rapid screenings and until we get some better, um, some definitive control on this. Um, because yeah. right now the reaction to, to a positive test is a quarantine of 14 days and that reaction cannot be overcome. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, that's, that's everyone. And that's, that's going dark for, for, you know, uh, for, for the project. So moving forward, we need rapid tests. Crew sizes, it does not matter what the budget of the film is. Crew sizes are going to have to be very limited. I know we're talking about uh, this Reagan show that's coming up. I don't know if that's mm -hmm. a tier two or tier three. Um, but, you know, that would, that would, that would host the crew uh, well over 100 on a given day, on, you know, on a, uh, uh, six months ago. Um, but even a show like that, the crews are looking at IATSE's guidelines are looking at a crew reduced apartment size, reduced on set to three and four people. Um, and, Holy. um, you know, that's going to be a very, it's, it, we're going to have to figure out how to cheat a lot more. 
um, we're going to have to figure out is the product going to be as good? Is this going mm -hmm. to, you know, what's, how, how do you do this? Um, I don't know. A little Lifetime, a little Hallmark movie, um, you know, a little one, two, uh, and then uh, some, some close-up shots. We were able to put that in the can. Um, I don't know how else because it, crew sizes are going to be limited. Um, right. So. What do you have to say to the, um, you know, just as a below the liner who has seen um, a lot of people try to slip through regulations and stuff, like try to cheat, um, what, how do we, I guess, how do we avoid that? Like, how can we, so as below the liners? It's concerning. And to be honest, you know, I've, I have been concerned in the last couple of weeks. Um, I've never ever inserted myself into another filmmaker or another crew or uh, a, another project that's going on that I haven't been asked to be involved in. Um, I think that we have to take some, a pers some personal, um, not accountability for ourselves because you know that, that would just include testing ourselves, make sure we're washing our hands, making sure we're washing our masks and staying safe. But it also is challenge, a challenge to those above the line. And that would be, um, you know, at this time, um, everyone that has applied for a job or has been offered a job and gotten a job obviously is aware of the risk and make sure they're aware of the risk. Second, don't lie. There is no workers' comp insurance on the planet that is covering any COVID-related illness or COVID-related work loss. Um, also at this time, there is no, uh, no, no production insurance that is covering, uh, covering these costs. So it would be a personal liability of the producers um, that are directly involved. So we, 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 we need to understand, um, you know, what, what, what that, what that looks like, um, and, and make sure that, that we know, we also need to know that a lot of our fellow filmmakers have folks at home that, that are, that are medically fragile or that are vulnerable. COVID may not affect us, but COVID is still affecting others. Um, so I would really challenge anyone, um, to to inquire um and um although testing the crew testing the cast and testing anyone involved in locations or extras isn't a fail-safe way it really is a good place to start it was a pain it was that was the that was the greatest hurdle and obstacle to get into production um but i think it is well number one is the only way that i felt comfortable and safe um uh, signing my name on as COVID coordinator as that medic, but also it was, it was a great protection for those around us to start with a clean slate. And I would, I would challenge, I would challenge everyone, um, you know, not to do it the easy way, um, not to do it the cheap way. Um, if you, you know, if you have, if you have a project that's really burning right now and you really want to get it going, Honestly, you might want to think about the risk and right. and and wait for a, a safer time health-wise. Budget right now, if you have a movie and you have a budget and you have backers, then you know it, it takes money right now to film in this climate. 
and, um, you know, and wait, work on something that does have a budget, work on something that does have funding that's, um, that's, that's not skimpy. Um, you know, I've had a couple people ask me about their personal projects. Hey, we do have this funded, but we have it, we have it funded pre COVID. What would you say? And I would say, hold it, hold it. You will have the chance to film that. It will come together for you. Um, but, um, but work right now where it's safe. Um, and that, that's what I'd say. And yeah. I really enjoyed working with you, Brian. I'm grateful for the invite. Yeah. It was so fun getting to meet you and work with you too. Like it was honestly, you brought such a comfort to the set of like working on this movie was the first time back onto a set since the beginning of the whole quarantine. So within for over three months. And I think all of us were pretty apprehensive whenever we, whenever we, you know, signed on of like, boy, I really hope that they do this safely and smartly. And yeah. uh, having you on set and taking it so seriously was very much a comfort. So I, I, I just, I'm thankful for you. I appreciate thank you for it. watching over Brian. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you protected you, it. Yeah, thank you, you kept me safe. <laughs> well, before and we let you go, uh, where can people in the future, if they need an onset medic or even just a consultation about COVID coordinating, where can people reach out to you? Yeah, for sure. So, um, so I've, I've got a little doing business as Oklahoma set medics. Um, and, um, my email address, Brian is E A O Banyan at yahoo.com. Yeah. Cause I'm 40 years old. Yahoo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yahoo. <laughs> okay. And, um, and then my number just, just drop my number 918-312-2191 love it and anybody can reach out even if they're not looking to hire someone if they have questions or they want um and by anyone anyone i mean anyone in our oklahoma community so i'm not just going to uh but um so yeah i'm not free but i'm free to any of us that care and i want to keep us safe so yeah awesome well we appreciate you emily thanks for hanging out with us gmail accounters (laughs) (laughs) all right the okie show show is a mostly harmless media podcast recorded at tower studios in oklahoma city don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating if you're a business or industry professional that would like to advertise on the podcast email info at okie rates starting as low as $25.